We're in the middle of a kingdom series, and it's, it's really, I've been terming it kingdom culture, because I really want to drill home the, um, the idea that, you know, this is something that all Christians, that is for all Christians. This is something that is not because, you know, we're of a particular kind of church or because we're, uh, um, <clears throat> you know, we have a plan that we're trying to push. This is something that glorifies God. This is something that brings honor to His name. I believe brings honor to His sacrifice. Um, you know, there's that, uh, there's that saying of the, of the Moravian people that sold themselves into slavery um, that the lamb that was slain may receive the reward of his suffering. And it's been a motto that I've lived by for a long time, um, that everything we do needs to be with that heart and mind in place. It's not for us. It's not for our glory. Even though the beauty of this wonderful God is reaching out to a broken people like us and helping us put our pieces back together, ultimately it is for his glory. It's for the advancement of His kingdom. It's for the praise of His name. And um, <clears throat> it's been awesome to speak on kingdom values because I believe it, it really just emphasizes everything about that, that this is not about church. The kingdom of God is bigger than church. The kingdom of God is even bigger than heaven. It spills over into everything. It spills over onto the earth, into our hearts. And out of our hearts, it spills over into our lives. Out of our private lives, it spills over into our public lives. Why? Because God has this thing about this world. He has this, <laughs> this passion, this, this desire to see every single person in this world come to a saving knowledge of His grace, coming to a relationship with Him. He has this love for mankind that is unsatisfiable by religious activities that we so often subscribe to as being our full expression of our faith. God has a desire to see this world come to the knowledge of His glory. Like He says in the Bible, the knowledge of God, the knowledge of the glory of God will expand over the whole earth as the waters cover the ocean. I always thought about this picture of the waters in the ocean. How much of the ocean is covered by water? Pretty much all of it, right? <laughs> and that's the big first thing is that God wants the knowledge of his glory to spread across the whole earth. We've spoken about the need for this, this perspective because if we don't recognize and take serious this perspective, we become so comfortable in our own salvation. We become so comfortable in our own relationship with God that we forget that there are yet people that have not heard of his name, that have not heard of his grace. And how serious a thing that is for God. And um, now I lost my train of thought. Yes, that happens sometimes. Hmm? The waters of the ocean. Yeah, of course. How could I forget that? Y'all are listening. Thank you. <laughs> but then there are different depths of the ocean. There are areas where the water just flushes over briefly and retreats. And then there are areas where it's so deep that we haven't even explored that deep yet. 
I, I, thought, I don't know if, I, if this was a true article, but I saw a headline. You know how headlines are, right? You can't trust them. But um, they found the biggest shark they've ever found uh, here recently, um, just ch- cruising around in the deep waters of the ocean uh, where we don't often go. And so what yet is there to be found in these depths? And it speaks to me about the depth of the knowledge of God that we haven't even really scratched the surface of our understanding of who He is and the depth of His glory, the depth of His grace for us, His love for us, and how much more there is to discover of this incredible being, this incredible spirit being, this God that we serve, that we have entrusted our eternity to, and how much more we want to get to know Him better. There's that verse in Philippians 3 that says, my, pro- my, my determined purpose is that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with Him. That should be a heart's cry in every one of our hearts, that we get to know God better, that we get to know Him more deeply and more intimately. Um, and, and, I, and I believe that that is His desire, is for, for us to know Him deeply and intimately. Yeah, so... Kingdom is something that um, just goes beyond religious activities of every day. You know, every week church and every twice a week or once a week life group. And, you know, maybe even if you are very, you know, faithful with your prayer life and your private Bible study, the kingdom of God even goes beyond that. And the invitation to each and every one of us as individual Christians is to always be looking toward the deeper understanding, the deeper experience of God in His Word and His Spirit. There is a constant cry from the Holy Spirit says, Come, come to me, come to me. We heard in, in many verses echoed, Come to me, those who are weak. Come to me, you are, who are weary. I will give you rest. I will give you strength. If you draw nearer to me, I will draw nearer to you. There is a desire on the heart of God to be with us to commune with us. And in our busy lives, we so, so often don't give him all that, all that uh, you know, opportunity. And, and I guess part of our uh, encouragement is, is in this Kingdom Culture series is that we realize some of the, the values that God hold. That if we would come in alignment with that, we would step into this place of intimacy, this, this place of deeper understanding of who He is and what He desires for our lives, what He desires for this world. And that might move us to do things, not because we're trying to please Him, because we're already pleasing unto Him, but because we want to glorify Him and honor Him with our lives. And it becomes a, it becomes a joy a, a, a work of joy, a work of peace, a work of excitement. I am, I am excited to get to do this for the living God because of the incredible relationship and friendship that I have with Him. And so we've said that kingdom culture is the everyday existence of a kingdom citizen that's characterized by kingdom attitudes, values, goals, practices, and traits. And all of these things reinforce this culture. And a part of the values that we discussed was a value of pursuing God's presence through the Holy Spirit. You know, we're dealing with a spiritual kingdom. It's not something you can pursue purely through activities, human activities. There has to be a spiritual component if we're going to engage a spiritual kingdom. Don't you agree? It just makes sense, right? This is a spiritual kingdom that is internal. 
It's the Bible says you won't see, okay, here's the kingdom, there's the kingdom. No, the kingdom is within you. It brings internal transformation that leads to automatic external fruit. But so often we try to focus on the fruits that is needed and we give advance, we give advice on, on behaviors that need to be incorporated, thinking that if I start doing the behavior, I might experience the the internal change or the transformation. No, really, it's more what Ryan said about drawing closer to God, drawing closer to Jesus, spending more time in His presence that brings that internal transformation, that internal intimacy with Him that then leads to me wanting to do things different than what I used to do them. Out of love for God, not out of duty toward a church. And so I want to emphasize that. That is super important in the kingdom of God. Um, and we said that if we, if we pursue the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, it leads to revelation. And, and, and all that worship basically is, is a response to revelation. And so revel- worship is this, it's this rhythm of revelation and then response. Revelation and then response. I see something amazing about God and I go, Wow, God, that's, where, that's amazing. That's beautiful. You are so faithful. You are so strong. You are so mighty. You are so uh, tender. You're so compassionate. And, 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 and we can say those things of him, but you know what's the beauty, the most beautiful thing and the desire of God is that you would experience his tender compassion and then acknowledge it. Not to acknowledge it academically. So God wants it to be real. He wants it to be your experience. You, you need to know this in your, in your gut, in your knower. This is who God is. He is my provider. He is my strong defender, my strong tower that I might run into and be safe. He is my place of peace. He is my joy. And when, when, we, when we start experiencing these things for real worship, it's just easy it's just natural. It becomes a, it becomes a natural response that comes from the inside. And we said that worship is, 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 that, is that beautiful culmination of God being made known to people, which we called mission, right? And because there is places where there is no worship, that's why there is mission, Mission exists because worship is either missing or it's lacking. And so all we try to do in mission is reveal God to people because when people see God, they have to worship Him. They have to worship Him. There is this, there is this, this internal realization when I see God truly for who He is. Listen, the world did never reject God. The world rejected their own understanding of God. If the world sees the true love of God, there is an internal yearning for that. When the world sees the internal compassion and the, oh, sorry, when the world sees the, the true compassion and the true image of God, they realize this is what I've been missing. This is what I've been searching. I've been doing this religion. I've been doing that, you know, spiritual experience. I've been doing what, 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 what. But the minute they see the truth, they realize this is it. The light goes on. In his light, we see light. All of a sudden, they want to bow their knees, admit that Jesus is king. People reject Jesus because they don't see the true Jesus. I believe that with all of my being, that when people really see God for who he is, man, they want to obey him. They want to serve him. 
And if, if the rare occasion where that does not happen, I believe that there is some strong spiritual influence there that prevents a person from doing that. And that's where our prayers and our intercession become so important. Our constant revealing of who God is in the midst of animosity, in the midst of people refusing to acknowledge. Because there is that, that fight in the spiritual realm for people's hearts, for people's souls. Mission exists because worship doesn't. And God wants this, this thing, he's, he, His glory to fill the whole earth so the whole earth will be filled with worship um, unto Him. Today I want to focus on something a little different. We've spoken about values, but I want to start talking about sonship. I want to start talking about the attitude of a, of a kingdom citizen um, so that we will, we will understand um, the call to, to maturity, we will understand that without adding a load of works of dutiful actions on our shoulders that makes us feel we ought to do something when we're in a place where we uh, are wrestling through it. So um, I want to focus on us, the children of God, not to glorify us, but to tell us and to help show us a path toward glorifying God through our lifestyles, through our response to Him, because ultimately it is about His glory being shared. So follow me along some scriptures today, because we're going we're gonna to just study this concept of sonship and what it means to become mature in our faith. Okay, so we, we, we start off in Galatians 4 verse 7 that says this, So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God. Just before these verses, he talks about the difference between a child, and he compares a child basically to a servant. He says, look, while a child is still young, and he is under the guardianship of caretakers. He is he's basically like a servant. He has not stepped into the place where he is able to receive the inheritance because that requires maturity. He needs to be able to take care of the estate that he is going to inherit. And so there needs to be a place of uh, ability to carry the weight that is about to be given to him. And so he says to us, uh, and he speaks to the Galatians to this is what is happening to you as you're stepping into Christ. There is a there is a stepping into sonship away from being a, a, a child, away from being a slave. And um, we're going to dive into many of these little nuances about being a child of God, being a son of God, and show you something here today that I believe will help us all point in a direction of growth. But really, I'm hoping that this will draw you into relationship with God, because the only place where we can grow is actually by pressing deeper into relationship. Listen clearly, not by pressing deeper into duty. And this is so crucial because so often we make the mistake of adding duty to people <laughs> with the intention of having them grow in their faith. But it's the other way around. You press into relationship and that helps spiritual growth which results in a lifestyle that glorifies God. So we need to go about it in the, in, in, almost in the opposite direction. Um, 
So I'm really hoping that this will draw us deeper into relationship. This knowledge that there is, there is a, a path or there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a trajectory toward God that, are, that He's calling me into, um, but not step across that line, not make the mistake of making it about the works, keeping it at the part where it's about us and Him. So listen to what Romans 8 verse 12 says this. So then, brothers, we are not debtors to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you Now, we often equate the word flesh in the Bible with sin. Okay? And that is true in many instances. But what is also true in many contexts is just trying to achieve salvation through duty. That is also flesh trying to please God through our sacrifices. That is also flesh. The new covenant doesn't operate with that kind of system. Okay? And so we need to be careful when you think, when we hear, we are not debtors to the flesh, to live according to the flesh, that we're only referring to sin. No, we're also referring to what the Bible calls works that lead to death. Fruitless works, works that are done out of duty, not from a place of relationship. Okay, so Romans 8, verse 13 For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you, by the Spirit, put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Romans 8, 14 For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. So we've said this, that Christianity is not a religion, but it's a with a radical purpose, right? A relationship with a radical purpose. It's not just a relationship amongst equals where I can, like Ryan said, I can tell Jesus what needs to happen next. No, it is a relationship where he is king and I am not king. We're talking about I am, I am son. I am, and, and so let me clarify, son does not, talk about gender in this context it talks about maturity okay just like the bride of christ i am the bride of christ doesn't make me doubt my gender it's a spiritual principle okay that we are in relationship with jesus who is the husband that comes for a bride um, so when i talk about sons and sonship it is inviting every single person in this room into that type of relationship, a mature relationship with Jesus. But we've said Christianity is not a religion, and nor is it just a relationship. It's a relationship with radical purpose. Because there is a purpose behind this relationship that God is calling us into. This purpose is both outward as we live our lives to bear influence on the world and motivate others to follow Christ, but it's also inward as it transforms us more and more into the likeness of Christ. And so I think sometimes we get discouraged um, <laughs> when we don't see the, the outward go where we want it to go. How many of you have been discouraged? How many of you have just disappointed yourself at times? Like, I mean, I wish I'd, I'd, I'd been better already. I wish I'd, I'd overcome the sin already. I wish I'd, you know, I wish I'd, I'd, I'd built more character. I wish I had more, more faith. I wish I had more patience. I, uh, I wish I prayed more. I wish I had more discipline. I mean, I think I've, I've, for, for, I've disappointed myself far more than anybody else in this life has disappointed me. How many of you feel like that? Like, honestly, I wrestle with me. Um, and, and, and I get discouraged at times when I, when I just feel I fall short. 
and I don't want to fall short. I want to, you know, be excellent and be powerful and be like influential and, 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 and I'm not always to the degree that I wish I would be. But sometimes we're just also discouraged by what's going on in our lives around us. Things outside of our control. Man, this is not relenting. I'm just still struggling with this thing. I'm still struggling with that relationship. I'm still struggling with this situation. I'm still struggling with this sickness. I am struggling and it's not relenting. And no matter how many times I've prayed before, it, it's still here. And it brings to us a, a sense of just discouragement. A sense that, oh, man, I, am I doing something wrong? I've often asked people, have people ask me, am I praying wrong? Am I using the wrong words? Maybe you should pray for me. Your, your, your prayers are going to get heard. Mine's not getting heard. Now, where there's power in agreement, I do not negate that. But it's not really that you're, you're praying wrong. There's some other things at play. Often, but things like you know, prolonged seasons of suffering, prolonged seasons of just struggle, discourage us. They, they, they bring us down, and 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 we try get to the question: When is this going to end? Um, and 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 what happens in these seasons of prolonged struggle is we 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 so often we so often fall into the trap of thinking, I'm supposed to be doing more. I'm supposed to be performing better. I'm supposed to work harder, pray harder, read the Bible harder. Maybe I should fast. And it's funny because you can do all of these things, but if you do them with the wrong attitude, they won't work. But if you do pray harder, it'll help. Only though if you're praying harder to connect with Jesus for relationship and love and acceptance and sonship. But if you pray harder because you think that's going to wring his arm to do something, then you've misunderstood the whole concept of prayer. And so that's why it's so difficult in, 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 at times in, in Christianity when, we, when, we're, when we're encouraging people to do th certain things. Like we talk about spiritual disciplines, right? We do. And we encourage people, look, you know, there needs to be pattern, habit of connecting with God. But if you're living from a mindset of I am a slave, I am having to work hard to get God to respond to me, you're going to hear that advice very differently from the son who sits in the presence of God. And that's the big difference between relationship and just religion. You see, this, the, the, the person that's trying to please God through his activities and his works are never going to be able to please God. Why? Because we frustrate ourselves. We disappoint ourselves. If we can disappoint ourselves, how much more are we going to disappoint God? And so we live in this perpetual condemned sense condemned state of like i can never do enough to please god hear me out hear me out hear me out very carefully sons don't work to please their fathers sons please their fathers because they are sons
Like my boy right now, no, does he make me mad at times? For sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Do I want to, you know, add some, some motivation to his backside every now and then? His bum side? Yeah, for sure. But am I, am I doing that because he didn't perform well enough? No, I'm not doing that. I'm doing that because he's not honoring our relationship. I want to teach him that it's about relationship. It's like I remember the first time Joy did something willfully. I shouldn't say my, I should have, well, I said it now anyway, so don't y'all keep this against her. She did something wrong willfully, and it really disappointed me. And uh, this was back in South Africa, so this is even, this is long, long ago. She was about six or so. And I remember, I remember, I remember the separation it brought in my heart, like between us. Like I said to her, well, you're going to have to just decide how you want to live your, how, how you want to make decisions about this because this does not please me. I didn't punish her. I didn't fuss at her. I just said to her, this was really disappointing and displeasing to me. And then I left it there. And boy, did it, was it hard for me to just leave it there. Here's what I wanted. I wanted her to respond to fix the relationship. I didn't want her to respond to just go and do the thing. Because she did a, okay, fine, I'll do this. And I was like, no, 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 you don't even have to do it anymore. That's not the point. And I remember us going to going to bed, and, and I just I just I just was man, it was it was it was like really was messing me up on the inside because of, I felt like I was losing my daughter in that minute, and I was praying, Lord, help her to see, help her to see how important our relationship is, help her to get this. She has to get this now, because if I'm gonna if if she doesn't get this now when she's five or six. She's going to have a very hard time choosing me over friends, over things that when she's a teenager. So I was praying, I was praying, I was praying, I was praying, I was praying. And then I, don't, I can't remember exactly when it happened, etc. but she, she kind of came, you know, just like around the corner, you know, and she was like, Dad? And I'm like, yes? And she said, um... I'm really sorry. And I said to her, wow, help me see, help me see everything. What are you sorry about? And, and her response was incredible. Her response was, I'm sorry that I disappointed you. She didn't say, I'm sorry that I didn't do the thing you asked me to do. She got it. She got it. Because it was about relationship. It wasn't about the thing. I rejoiced in my heart. And since that day, we've had such a special relationship that I'll tell you what, she, she understands, she gets it. And my other kids have since gotten it, that it's the, the most precious thing is their relationship with their dad. It has to be good. There has to be peace and harmony there. If, that's, if, if there's not harmony there, it tears them up on the inside. 
And that's how it is for us if we operate from sonship. It's not about the duties. It's about doing things that please God because it pleases Him. And when we sin, <laughs> you know, you get those sins of commission and sins of omission. Sins that you, you should have done something but you didn't do them. And things that you shouldn't have done but you did do them. Both of those things tear us up on the inside. Why? Because it just, it, it, ha- it does something in our relationship with God. Our hearts condemn us for doing that and we just feel horrible. And the, what we want the most is we want it to be good between us and God again. And that's why, you know, um, some churches have this thing called confession. And I love it. Not that you have to confess to just one person, but the fact that people know that I have to go and confess something is an awesome principle. We can do it wherever we are, though, because the Spirit of God is present. And we can pray and we say, Lord, I missed it. Because that's what sin means. Sin doesn't mean I, I, I cussed or I, 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 I lusted or whatever. No, sin means I missed the mark. What is the mark? We're going to talk about it in a second. God has a mark for us. He has a goal for us to reach. And when we miss that mark, when we miss that ideal that God has for us, that's when we deviate from his plan. That's what sin is. We go, Lord, I missed it. I don't want to miss it. I ask your forgiveness. And the beautiful thing about being in Christ is that forgiveness has already been settled 2,000 years ago. He goes, I have forgiven you already. But I'm thankful that you came to tell me what you were sorry about. Because that fixes our relationship. I love you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Nothing will ever take you out of my hand. Not even your sin. But it will hamper our relationship. But you did the right thing. You came to me. So this is amazing how it brings internal transformation to us, the kingdom. And, 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 and even in moments of disappointment, discouragement, we can know that you know, there, there is, there's a way back. There's a way back to this place of intimacy with God that keeps us moving in the right track for our lives. Some of us have been led down by people that we believed in. Some of us have led down people who believed in us. And we feel bad about it. We don't know how to fix it. Some of these things, sometimes they just throw us off track, right? We get lost in the chaos of life. And, and, then, and, 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 and then we try, how we try to fix it always is we go back to the slave mentality. I have to perform to get God to, to allow me back into his presence again. I have to perform. And so that's why you have people that when they're going through a hard time, they will rather go try and fix it outside the church, outside of fellowship, run away from church first, go and fix their lives, then come back. It's a mentality that I have to perform good enough to be in fellowship. No, sons don't have to leave the home to go and wash and clean. You do that in the house. You come to the house. To sort that out. And this is a house where people can bring their dirt and get clean. This is a house where people can bring their struggle and get healed. And I don't know what has been your experience of church, but we don't see this place as a hotel for the holy. This is a hospital for the hurt. And we want to see people healthy. And holy. And we're going to talk about that in a second. But you don't have to come in that way. 
No. God the Father is saying to all of His sons and those who are wandering, those who are lost entirely, come back to the house. Come back to the house. The way of the kingdom of God is the way of sonship, not of performance, not of a slavery mindset that I have a duty to perform in order to be good. No, I have a relationship to nurture in order to be good. And that's what it is to be led by the Spirit of God, is to be drawn into relationship and to, and to act toward the things that lead to relationship. There's some great promises in Scripture that helps us all just establish our north again so that we can navigate back to what God, God, God's plan for our lives are. It's called being led by the Spirit and living in sonship. In 2 Corinthians 4, 16, it says this, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer selves might be wasting away, our inner selves are being renewed day by day. Inside, we are being renewed by closeness with God, by our relationship with God. And it says, for this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. God is raising us up as sons in His kingdom. A kingdom is an operation. It's a government. There are functions. There are things that need to be done. But if we do it from a sense of sonship, not from duty, there's freedom in it. There is joy in it. There is life in it. But if you do it from a sense of duty, you'll never do enough. You'll never be good enough. You'll always come up short and it'll lead to just death. Um, Overwhelmness, burnout. I could never do enough. I can't live like this. I can't live like that. And I don't want any of y'all to live like that. And so whatever you do in this church, never, never do it from a sense of duty toward this church. We are first and foremost loyal to Jesus, our King, and then to our relationship with Him. And that will result in us having a family where we serve one another because that's the way of the kingdom, right? But it's not because I'm trying to please God. It's because I have been saved, transformed, enriched, inspired by God to live this way toward the, my fellow man. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Being led by the Spirit of God, that's eternal. This is a huge encouragement because it doesn't matter what we suffer this side of the grave, we can still advance. We can still grow. Our fo- if our focus is right and we look to the, the, the Spirit of God, we can still grow no matter how hard things around us get, no matter how crazy things around us get. And nothing we achieve internally, right, can ever be taken from us. Every promise of victory um, that, 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 we, that gets realized in our hearts, that become real for us, that can never be taken from us. Even though we go through hardship, those things are eternal. eternal. And, the, and when they get embedded in our soul, that forms us. That changes us. It transforms us. 
It's the principle of the caterpillar that turns into a butterfly. A caterpillar, caterpillar, a, a caterpillar, because that's what I was, I was going toward that, a caterpillar. You know that story of Bugs Life? That, that German caterpillar? You know, he speaks like this, you know. <laughs> I'm a beautiful butterfly, right? Y'all seen Bugs Life? Okay, go watch the Bugs Life if you haven't seen this, okay? There's a caterpillar. He, he's a bug, and, and they, they go through this journey. But anyways, the bottom line is the caterpillar supposedly goes into his cocoon and supposedly is supposed to turn into it, but he doesn't become a caterpillar. He becomes a caterpillar because he just remains a big worm, all right, at the end of it. Nothing really changes about him. He just gets these two little tiny wings that in the story can make him fly, but we know that's just a story, okay? And so... Um, he doesn't go truly through a process of metamorphosis. Metamorphosis leads to something changing entirely into something different. And that's what happens to us in crisis. We are morphed. We are changed into something entirely new. We're not just trying to manage our deviance our, our sin, no, we become transformed into something that does not naturally want to do sin anymore. And the only reason why we still sin is because of the interaction with this earth vessel that has these tendencies still embedded in its nature. But our true nature has been transformed. Our true desire is to please God. How come we feel like absolute trash when we don't? please God, when we sin, when we do stuff wrong, we get so convicted inside. Why? Because it's not pleasing to us. <laughs> the moment before sinning, we think that this is going to be the ultimate thing. Sometimes we do it willfully. Sometimes it's just, it's just by mistake that it happens. But the bottom line is, it's not our true desire anymore. So when we, when we get to that internal change, it, it, it's it's permanent, y'all. I become a son, a child of God, and nothing except my denial of Jesus Christ is going to change that. Only if I deny Jesus will that internal change be forfeited. The beautiful thing is, is as I step into that relationship and I start focusing on being led by the Spirit, my life more and more gets renewed and everything about me gets renewed day by day and more and more and more what is internal reality becomes externally visible i'm being transformed but it's inside out and it helps me to progressively achieve i think the biggest kingdom goal relating to its citizens and that is our likeness to jesus christ our likeness to jesus christ the Holy Spirit is leading us to look more and more like Jesus. Y'all, sometimes I get lost in the chaos. You know, when you're leading an organization, you know, there are certain things that you have to do for that organization to stay healthy. You have to plan. You have to, you know, um, have strategic goals. You have to, you know, put deadlines and you have to do certain things that just helps everybody to go in the same direction toward the same place it's necessary you can't have a successful organization without that but sometimes we get so lost in the you know what do we need to do next for the organization 
that we forget what the true call of this organization is. And, and, and y'all are the true call of this organization. The people outside of this church is the true call of this organization. And so we all have to have a north. And let me, t- let me share with you my north. This is what I believe God helps me to center back to what the kingdom of God has called this church to do. And it's found in Ephesians 4.12. It says, to equip the saints for the work of ministry and for the building up of the body of Christ. That is my north. If, 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 if I get lost in, well, should we do another service? Shouldn't we? Should we, you know, uh, start a new team that deals with, you know, that need like the apostles had to look to a group of people to, you know, deal with the, um, the distribution of food to, to, to widows and things like that. All those organizational details of things that we need to try. When I have to just center myself, I go, what is this about? It's about this. It's about equipping the saints for the work of ministry so that we're all being built up for the building up of the body of Christ until, verse 13, we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. This is what God has called us to do. God wants us to grow mature to the image of the likeness of Jesus Christ. And that is, as a, as a spiritual leader in this house, that is my north from Scripture. That is our, our goal. Verse 15 says, Rather speaking the truth in love, We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. So remember we said, we are not debtors to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. We are all led by the Spirit of God because we are the sons of God. We're not going to do this as a duty. We're going to do this from a relationship. The sons of God who live according to the Spirit of God uh, is in... in, um, in many parts of scripture, it's, it's, it's juxtaposed against each other. It's like, are you a son or are you still a child? And I want to go to this um, to help us to kind of just set a path. Where do I do? What do I do next to respond to this reality that God wants me to grow, to become a son, a mature son? Um, and we often read about the Bible saying things like, we are the children of God. Um, Jesus calls his disciple little children. Um, uh, you know, we are called sons of God. And we think these terms are just interchangeable terms that are randomly used, but they're actually not. They're actually very specific words with very specific meanings to help encourage us along a journey of growth. So let me just say this. The Hebrew writer in Hebrews 5 laments the lack of growth in the in, in the church of the, early, uh, of the early church. And he says this, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. Very specific word there. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Verse, chapter 6, verse 1. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity. 
In this word, in this portion of scripture, the, the word for child literally means infant. It's a specific Greek word that means infant. It, de- it de- denotes a particular age or maturity of a Christian. And the word used for mature here is literally the word that means complete. Now, if you just think of some previous sermons that we've done, the book of James, um, and, and then also somewhere in Matthew about 5, somewhere, it talks about being perfect. Let patience have its perfect course so that you may be complete, lacking nothing. Somewhere in, in, in Matthew 5, later verses, it talks about be perfect because our heavenly Father is perfect. There is this invitation for us to grow toward perfection. There's this invitation from the Holy Spirit that wants to guide us and propel us toward maturity in Him. Matthew 5, 48. So how do I grow from being an infant, a child in the Lord, into becoming perfect? It, it, it seems a little daunting, right? Because we all know how far we are away from being perfect, right? Right? All right. So let's, let's look at some steps that the Bible revealed to make this a little more attainable. The journey of growth, okay? In Romans 8, coming back to Romans 8, we read that this, verse 16 says this, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Now in this context, the word for child is not the same as the previous one for infant. No, this, is, this context is the same as when Paul calls Timothy, You are my child, my son in the Lord. Jesus at one point was speaking to his disciples and he told them, little children, I'm only going to be with you for another, for a short while. And he he uses the same word and it talks about apprenticeship. It talks about being somebody who has willfully decided to follow another, to imitate the other, to walk in his footsteps and learn from that person. It's not an infant anymore, it's somebody who has agree to a process of growth but yet is still immature yet is still on the journey of growth toward maturity paul says imitate me as i imitate christ it's an invitation to being discipled to walk with other people to learn more about Christ, to if those elementary doctrines aren't there in my life, to then lay those foundations in my life. If there is no freedom experienced in my life yet from previous hurts and hang-ups or even from addictive patterns or habits, that I get free from those things and learn how to walk in victory progressively. If I haven't been baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit, that I take those steps of obedience. It's a training process. It's a process of disciplining myself to start walking in the values, walking in the priorities, and walking in the practices of the kingdom of God. But remember the relationship. It's not about trying to perform. It's about stepping into a a journey to grow closer in relationship where that relationship rubs off on you and helps you grow. Then another step that the Bible reveals is, is, is part in Romans 14, 8, 14, the ones we read, and then in 19. For all who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And Romans 8, 19, that talks about the creation that's waiting eagerly for the sons of God to be revealed. 
The world is yearning for maturity. Like I often look at our political landscape and I think to myself, there are a bunch of children. <laughs> the, the things people say against one another are just so fundamentally childish. It's like, well, you did this, so I'm going to do that. And, I, and I'm like, come on. We're the sons of God. The world is yearning for sons. What does this word means? mean? This is a Greek word that means mature sons, mature heirs. Ones who have grown into the likeness of the one whom they're following so that the image of the one that is following has been impressed on the, on the follower. Beautiful, right? So much of the following and the imitation have happened that you almost have a second take. Wait, is that Timothy or is that Paul? No, I think it's Paul. No, my goodness, it's Timothy. There has been a transfer of glory, standard, weight. The, the mold has pressed on the clay. And now the clay looks like the mold. Maturity. We are being called by the Spirit of God into that place where we accept the definition of the Father unto us as sons. And we stand up in that image. And we bear that image no matter where we are. Christians who consistently lives with the Spirit of God being led by the Spirit of God. And this does not just mean, let me pray and hear what the God wants me to do in a situation. That is true, but that is, that's not what this is about. This is about God's image being imprinted on our hearts and our minds and, ex, uh, and then uh, resulting in externally it looking the same. And then the other thing is that sons stop participating in the in the leadership of the, of the kingdom. We're looking at people that are no longer just willing to be discipled, but people that have stepped up and says, all right, I will try walk a journey with others to help them become like Jesus. I am willing like Paul to say, all right, y'all come follow me as I follow Jesus. And this isn't something that's just for a select few. This is something that's for everybody. And in a, in, a, in a degree, we're all doing that. Even if you're just a parent, which is that we just can never be put in front of parent, right? But even if you're a parent, sorry, I'm a parent too. I dishonored myself there. Um, that is that is our disposition, or, or rather, not our disposition. That is our um, the angle that I take with my parenting is that I am telling this child, follow me, as I'm following Christ. So whether you want to do it or not, the minute you have a baby, you're doing it. <laughs> but maybe there are some people that are in proximity to you that you have a relationship with that you can invite into your life and say, hey, don't you want to come serve Jesus with us? Come learn from how we do it. Sure, we'll learn from you, but we'll take this journey and we'll kind of, you know, take us all together on this journey. It's, 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 it's what we refer to in church as discipleship. And all discipleship is, is a relationship that helps people to know God, helps them get free, and helps them make disciples. That's all it is. It's just a journey. But a journey denotes progress. A journey denotes change over time. And so if we get stuck somewhere, 
That's when it's necessary for somebody to come and shake up some things a little bit in our lives. Like, hey, are you still growing? Are you still going on the journey? Or have you parked off somewhere? The Spirit of God wants to lead you further along this journey. Don't stagnate. Did your engine stall? How can we get that thing hardwired? How can we get that thing started again? Because the essence of God is the Spirit of God wants to lead us to become sons of God. All of us become sons of God. So God is calling us on a journey. And if we can keep our focus, we can keep growing and God can keep increasing our victory. Our spirit, the spirit of God is our north. This, this call to relationship should always be our north. Lord, what is, what is your desire for me? Help me to step into, help me to step toward that. Because I want that because you want that for me. And so I want to suggest three things that we, in this journey, are always going to be doing. Number one, we're either going to, so, so first of all, for you who are here who have not stepped into a relationship with God, the first thing is to become a newborn Christian. See, it's not about joining a church. It's not about performing religious duties. It's about stepping into a relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ. It's about starting a relationship that can start helping you understand your radical purpose that you are meant to live out. We've spoken about this often, but the good news of Christianity can, can be summed up like this. God became a man in Jesus Christ who lived the life that we should have lived and died the death that you and I should have died in our place. And three days later, he rose from the dead, offering salvation to all who would believe in him. That salvation includes salvation from sin and its eternal consequences. Romans 8 verse 1 says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the spirit of the law of life has set us free, from, uh, set us free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. The Spirit leads you to life. Even if you are here and you're not saved yet, you have not made a decision to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life. That's okay. But you're hearing the Spirit of God today ask you, step into that relationship with me. And the way you do that is by acknowledging that you're a sinner and you can't for duty and through religious activity save yourself. You need to acknowledge Jesus as your Lord. You need to step into that relationship with radical purpose with Him. That's how you do it. It's an acknowledgement. Believing on what he had done for you on the cross. That's the only way a man can be saved. Is calling on Jesus. Lord, I need you to save me. And I believe what you did for my, on my behalf. And I trust that that would cover my sin too. Your blood will cover my sin too. That's the first thing God is calling us to. That the Spirit of God lead, is leading all men to. You think that guy that's maybe in your workplace that is so far lost in your, in, your, in your eyes, that man, this guy doesn't love Jesus at all? You think he's unsavable? No, he's not. The Spirit of God, in fact, has been talking to that guy. Guaranteed. Because God loves every single human on this planet. Sometimes when we go out <laughs> duck hunting, we meet interesting characters. But I know, I know, I know as we're there, the Spirit of God is talking to them. 
The <laughs> Spirit of God is talking to them. He is ministering to them. And, 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 and depending on how we reveal, because that's the heart of mission, how we reveal God to them, my compassionate love, my friendship, my, 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 my overlooking of the things that I know is displeasing to God. But if I, if I, if I love them enough to overlook those things, I, I cover those offenses. They start maybe seeing just a glimpse of the true God that wants to reach out to them, that's not condemning them, that wants to save them in Jesus. But that's my heart. I want to see those men saved. I want to see those men serve Jesus out there on the duck blind. The second thing the Holy Spirit is encouraging all of us here to do today is to become an apprentice. Sign up for discipleship. Join relationships where you are shoulder to shoulder with others who are also in this journey of serving Jesus. There's no condemnation in Christ. Neither should there be in this relationship. But this relationship will constantly help us to take that growth journey with Jesus. Being led by the Spirit of God to becoming sons of God, mature sons of God. I know that this, this journey sometimes seems daunting because, man, I've been hurt. I've been disappointed. You know what? I, I've done things that I'm not proud of. And I want to let you know, so have I. So have I. But the grace of God is big enough to cover any offense. Any offense. Don't step away. Step toward him. Start doing life with people who can help you grow spiritually. If you haven't been baptized, be baptized as a first step of following Christ's example. If you haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit, let us talk about that. It's essential to living in a spiritual kingdom. Learn how to how to operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. As you pursue Jesus this way, you'll start producing more of the fruit of the Holy Spirit automatically. There's so many things I still want to say about this, but here's something I might leave with you in, for, for, for this point. Hebrews 13, 7 says, Remember your leaders, those who spoke the word of God to you. And it's not just talking about me. It's talking about every single person in your life that has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. Remember them. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Imitate their faith. The last thing I believe God is, the Holy Spirit wants to lead us to is to become disciple makers. Mature people who truly lives by the Spirit of God, walks in friendship with Him and serves other believers in their journey to maturity through discipleship and, and, and being willing to suffer. Because <laughs> here's the thing. <laughs> we are invited into serving a master who suffered. And if we consider ourselves more, too important to suffer, it's like we're considering ourselves too important for the one who's our leader. If he was willing to suffer on our behalf, maturity leads us to the point where we become willing to lay down our lives for those around us. It's, a, it's just one of those things, y'all. Sometimes we're forced into maturity on a physical level when we learn agonizingly how to put ourselves second to raise up children. 
I think, I think every, every new child that came, I literally experienced a death. As much as I would never have done it any different, and, and I wished I could have more children even, but n- not practically, but like just in concept, you know, just that weird dream that like, that'd be fun. No. Every single time a new child came, something had to change. I had to die to more of me. Like when the second child came, it was no longer, oh, it's nice, I have a child, but my wife takes care of it. No, 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 you now also have a child. Flip, now I also have a child. Okay, the second child, okay, I'm going to take care of this child. Then the third child came. It's like, okay, I have two children now because there's the baby and, you know, the mom, the one new mom, you know, fresh baby, and they, they, they need more attention there. So, so every time I got an extra child, it was like, me time was no more. <laughs> All of me time was sucked up by these little angels. Devils. I'm just, I'm kidding. <laughs> right? But we are forced to mature. We're forced to, 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 to kind of just accept that, 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 that need, that, that necessity in the physical. But when it comes to our journey with Jesus, sometimes we think like, oh, no, no, no. It's not needed for me to grow and mature. All right, so... so don't, don't step into DOD. Don't become, oh, I need to do this to please God. No, no, no. It's about relationship. But there is a call. There is a call toward growth to become sons of God. Let me end off today with a poem by a, a, a guy who was a, a church planner. I think it was to, 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 to China. Um, a missionary to China. His name is... Uh, uh, Charles or C.T. Studd. Um, he was a he was a professional cricket player. You know that's the um, the original version of baseball. Yeah, not 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 the knockoff version. The, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> Y'all forgot your tomatoes again. <laughs> All right. Um, he was a professional cricket player. And uh, man, he, he could have gone like totally big, but he had a call in his life. He felt God called him to missionary work. That is not the same for every person. And you don't have to be mature to do this. Don't hear what I'm not saying. Just hear what I am saying. Um, he had this profound um, sense one day, and then he wrote a, a poem about it. The words of the poem counts for everybody. How you apply it is different than he did might, might have, but it still counts. Listen to what he said. Two little lines I heard one day, traveling along life's busy way, bringing conviction to my heart and from my mind would not depart. Only one life, it will soon be passed. Only what is done for Christ will last. When this bright world, I'm skipping a couple of stanzas because really there would be too much. When this bright world would tempt me sore, when Satan would a victory score, when self would seek to have its way, then Help me, Lord, with joy to say, only one life will soon be passed. Only what is done for Christ will last. Give me, Father, a purpose deep in joy or sorrow thou were to keep. Faithful and true, whate'er the strife, pleasing thee in my daily life. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what is done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one. Now let me say, thou will be done. And when it 
Last I hear the call, I'll know, I'll say, t'was worth it all. Only one life will soon be passed, and only what is done for Christ will last. This is my prayer that each of us would grow to that place where we are willing, as Jesus gave his life up for us, each and every one of us would be willing to lay our lives down for his and for his kingdom. Where you at in your journey? Are you willing to step into that growth with Jesus? And I don't know what that means for you, but I do know all of us have to press into that relationship to find out what that is. Can we all stand today as we pray? Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. That name above every other name, that only name by which man can be saved. Father, and I pray that you will move on people's hearts here today to impress on them where your spirit is leading them to. I want to ask you, if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, if you've never accepted him as your savior and started a relationship with him and you're ready today to respond to the Holy Spirit guiding you and pulling on your heart to accept him, why don't you put up your hand right now? I want to pray with you. You've never done this before believed on Jesus for your salvation instead of believing in your own goodness instead of trying to balance your own scales I know the Spirit of God is talking to us and is desiring each of us to be in that relationship with Him maybe God is asking you to step into that place of apprenticeship where you willfully sign up to be discipled, to start a journey of growth toward Him and His purposes. If you have not done that yet, and the Holy Spirit is guiding you today to say yes to that, why don't you put up your hand right now? You see, the Spirit of God is always going to ask the question, always it's not easy asking it's how many times is he going to ask before I respond maybe you realize that it's time for you to start helping other people in their journey with Jesus and maybe you've put it off and maybe you've made all sorts of reasons for why you can't do this yet but I'm inviting you to step out in faith and step into that place. If you feel God is asking you to start helping other believers in their journey of faith and starting a journey of discipleship with them, it doesn't have to be a life group. It can be a, it can be a one-on-one. It can be a one-on-two. But you're, you're, you're feeling God saying, I need to say yes to this. Won't you, won't you raise your hand? Let's bring all of these responses before Him. Heavenly Father, I pray for every person who's raised their hand and their heart before You today. 
Every person who has said yes to, to taking that journey, that growth with you. That God, you will impress on them such a sense of excitement and joy and, and anticipation for what this next season is going to deliver for them following into this adventure with you. God, I pray that joy will overflow in their hearts as they know that they've said yes to the Spirit of God and they are being led as sons of God into the purposes of God for the cause of His kingdom and for the cause of the glory of the King. Lord, we pray for each and every one of us who have started this journey and just needs to continue and, and just needs to long suffer and just needs to be willing to stay the course unto completion until the author and the finisher of our faith have done everything that we need to be complete, whether that is in death or in the return of Christ. Lord, we want to stay faithful and we're committing to staying the course, being led by your Spirit daily, pleasing you in everything we do living for your glory and for your, for your cause, no matter what we're involved in, even beyond our religious activities. Father, we commit to that journey with you. Help us stay the course. In Jesus' name, amen.